Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And today we are going to talk about something that not many people think about, and that is the power of the written word. And no, I'm not talking about in books. I'm talking about how we communicate with business transactions in a way that's much more personal. And if you're like me, you hate it when you have 10,000 emails in your inbox, but you really love it when you get an important piece of mail. So joining me today is David Wax, and he is with a company called Handwritten. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, but he's also a contributor for Inc. Magazine. He has a a really vast uh, tech background that I can't even understand. I know we all know I have an app, but that doesn't mean Uh, that I know anything about the darn app. I just know what to put on the app. So (laughs) thank you, David, for joining us today. Thank you, Michael, for having me. This is really awesome, and I'm honored to be on. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, and we'll dive really into handwritten. But, you know, give us a little background. You have a really intriguing background. Well, thank you. Uh, It's it's been a long road, but basically, um, I'll, I'll kind of fill you in on my life before handwritten because it explains why I started handwritten. Prior to handwritten, um, back in 2005, I started a text messaging company. This was before the iPhone and the Android and all that stuff. And texting was just starting to get really popular. And I spent seven years doing that company. um, And another another two years after that, working for the new owners of the company. But um, with that, I realized, yeah, text messaging works. I mean, when we sent out a text for the local smoothie place, people would be lined up around the block to receive smoothies. But what I also realized is I had taken part in creating a monster, not just me. (laughs) Obviously, I was a very, very small part of that. But (laughs) we were sending millions of text messages a day on behalf of Abercrombie and Fitch and Toys R Us and Sam's Club and Office Max and these big brands. And people are getting hundreds of text messages a day or whatever, a hundred text messages a day. They're getting over 150 emails a day for work. Um, I I think it's taking up like something like 25% of the typical office workers time just managing email. Mm -hmm. So when I left hand, when I left sell it, uh, the texting company, I thought there has to be a better way to get in front of everybody because right now it's all just noise. And that's where handwritten came from. When I sold the last company, 
I sent out handwritten notes, or I tried to send out handwritten notes to my employees and my uh, best clients. And I realized after five or six notes, my hands got tired. I lost interest in writing them. My, Sometimes uh, you ran out of ink. <laughs> you run out of ink. Your handwriting starts suffering. You make mistakes. It takes you four times as long to get the notes out. Uh, postage and, and all the rest. I was just like, man, I really want to send these notes, but I, I'm too lazy to do it. So what could I do? to fix this problem. And that's where handwritten came out of. So back when I started handwritten, which was like the day after I left the last company, we were very small and we had two off the shelf handwriting machines you could buy from a company in Virginia. They're, they were used by government officials and that type of thing. Uh, a couple years of using those and I realized we needed something better. And so talk about chalk your potential. Um, I have no background in building a robot but we set out on this journey. It took us about three years um, to come out with our first handwriting robot. And that's what we do. So now we've got, this business is literally 10 times more complicated than my last. And that business was pretty complicated, but we have an iPhone app like you and an Android app, a website, salesforce.com integration, Zapier integration, which if you don't know what Zapier is, I'm happy to talk about that. It's super cool an API for your geeky uh, listeners that know what an API is. We have all these ways of collecting handwritten notes, the information for handwritten notes. And then what we do is we use these robots. We currently have 95 that we've built. And prior to COVID, we were building about one to two a week, but we've put that on pause. Um, and we build these robots in-house. So we use laser cutters and crazy high-end 3D printers. And we literally assemble these robots in-house like it's the Ford factory in the 40s wow. or whatever. And then we put these robots to work for us. We don't sell them. We don't lease them. They're strictly put on our factory floor to fill orders because the robots are not the fastest thing in the world. They're only about as fast as a human, but they don't stop for coffee and <laughs> their hand doesn't cramp and they don't get bored. Et and they don't so. get sick. They don't get sick. Yeah, sometimes, right. sometimes they get sick in a different way when they break down. But Exactly, yeah. So that's what we're doing is we're, uh, prior to COVID, we were doing about 120,000 notes a month. Um, wow. And this is for everybody from nonprofits to realtors, mortgage brokers, car dealers, um, high-end luxury uh, brands like... Um, you go to the mall and buy a super expensive leather purse, we would send you a handwritten note follow-up from that. We don't mention a lot of clients because nobody wants to be known as sending phony handwritten notes, but, uh, <laughs> but there's a few I can, I can mention. But that's really what it is. is um, it was, I saw a need for my own service, um, so we, we created it. And in addition to the handwritten notes, we allow you to include your business card, if that's important, or oh. a gift card to Starbucks, um, Starbucks Target, Visa, Amazon, we have a whole bunch of gift cards you can add. And it's really just putting that note in the mail for you to take that off your, take that off your plate. Wow. So, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about a friend of mine who sent me, sent me something a while back. And I know it was a handwritten card, but I knew it wasn't him. And it came with a Starbucks card. So now I think I understand <laughs> it how this been, happened. It could have <laughs> been us. It could have been us. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it. We're here in Phoenix. Um, it's a very, anybody that ever wants, you know, after COVID ends, anybody that wants to come and see it in action, it's pretty interesting to see how we build the robots and write the orders and all that. We give tours all the time. 
Um, but it has been a shock your potential experience of trying to figure out how to build these robots and manage them and keep track of ink and all that stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, and first I was laughing because when you said, and I, uh, the next day after I, you know, walked away from the first company, I'm like, you took a long break. <laughs> it was honestly, I regret it. Uh, I, now the company started very slowly at, at about the same time, this is getting too personal, but about the same time I walked away from the first company, I met my soon to be wife online. Uh, she was in Canada. I was in Chicago. We were going back and forth and that type of thing. Um, but I started handwritten at the same time. And initially when I started it, I outsourced most of the fulfillment to a print shop in Chicago. I gave them those handwriting machines that um, didn't work so well and had them struggle with it as I went on my honeymoon and all that stuff. But then I came back and things really picked up and, and we started um, putting our big boy pants on and being real, a real company. And that's, that's when things started picking up. Now, David, the only question I have is, did you send your soon-to-be wife uh, handwritten notes? No, but <laughs> our friends use the service to send us thank you notes for whatever, wedding gifts and that type of thing. And when she gets them, she's always like, wow, this person has beautiful handwriting. And I'm just like, come on. I mean, don't you recognize it? Um, my wife loves the service for it. We have two young kids and she uses it to send thank you notes after birthday parties and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. And it really does. People ask us all the time, who, who are your clients? And I'm like, anybody that wants to send a handwritten note, which is pretty much anybody. So it goes all the way from the individual to the large insurance company, that type of thing. That's fantastic. I, I have terrible handwriting. And I actually started my career as an elementary school teacher. Mm. And I remember in those days, at, before we finished our, you know, undergrad, whatever, we had to be, we were writing stuff on the, uh, the chalkboard, because it was still mm -hmm. a chalkboard at that time. I'm that old. And I remember I had a professor who was so disgusted by my handwriting, that she made me stop writing on the board one day in class. And she said, you will never, ever, ever be hired as a teacher ever. You can't even write a lowercase f in cursive. And I was like, wow, that's pretty. I, don't, I mean, I know it's not great, but I don't think I'm not going to get a job. And I did get a job, by the way. So I showed her. <laughs> you know what's scary is we have one client. I guess she's very affluent. Um, she has two, young, two or three young kids. And she has paid. And now most handwriting that we do is we've got on our website about 18 different handwriting styles that you can choose from. Oh. And those have been kind of perfected with their messy, their fancy, their block, their script, et cetera. But, or you could opt to create your own handwriting. And this affluent woman <laughs> is having the handwriting of her children replicated, which oh, no. I think is ridiculous. I'm happy to take her money. But, and then what she's going to do is she's going to have us redo it in a few years when they get older and their handwriting gets better. Okay. So she's in it for a, a pretty penny because having our handwriting designers do this, when we generate a handwriting style for somebody, it's, it's, it's not just we recreate every letter in the alphabet in uppercase and lowercase. We have to do multiple versions of each letter. And then we have mm -hmm. to do what are called ligature combinations. So uh, two Fs together, two Ts together, um, an S at the end of the word, um, two O's together, you know, all that type of stuff because people connect those letters differently. Like, do you correct your two, do you connect your two T's with one crossbar, that type of thing. So we take all that info and we design this handwritten 
font. It's not a font, um, but similar to a font that then our, our robots write out. And it's, it's pretty laborious getting it done. So, and we charge $1,000 to create your own. It's a one-time fee and then it's available on the site. You don't, totally optional, very few. I mean, we have about 60 people that have done that. But this woman is having like all three of her kids do it multiple times and we're just rolling <laughs> our eyes. But I hope she's not listening. But, uh, but yeah, good for her. She wants her. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you're talking, I was thinking about how you're right. I mean, if you, all, if you want people to be able to read it and not recognize that it's done by a computer, you'd want, you wouldn't want the S in the middle of a word to look the same way you'd make the S at an end of a word with a different kind of flourish or any letter like that. Yep. So I can, I can see that. That is, that's a lot of thought process to go in. You're yeah. And then there's, there's also, uh, without getting in too deep, we, people say, well, um, a couple of things. They say, can you tell it's written by a robot? Um, the short answer is if I hand you a note and you say, and I say, hey, what do you think of this note? You'll say, wow, what a nice note. Thank you for sending me that note. If I say, here's a note, was it written by a robot? Then your scrutiny, level of scrutiny goes way, way up. And, and, and right. in that case, you might you might guess it's written by a robot, but we do vary character by character the entire note. The other thing we do is we don't bend the words so they don't like all of a sudden trail down the side of the page. But what we do is we vary the line spacing every line so that um, you know you, one line is a little bit higher than the next line. Um, and then we also, that, we call that the inner line jitter. And then we also jitter the left margin. So not every character on the left end starts in the same spot. So you don't have a very straight line down the left. It's a very subtle in out to kind of better recreate how a human writes. And then sometimes quite frankly, the paper is grabbed at a very slight angle by the robots as it pulls into the paper feed. So the, the, the writing is at an angle and we say, oh, well that's naturally, you know, a lot of people write at an angle, but we don't, we don't have it bend and curve up and down. It's maybe at a slight angle, maybe not, but, um, but yeah, we, we do our best to to uh, replicate human handwriting as close as possible. That is, I mean, the, the, just the thought process behind all those details is phenomenal. I mean, I would have never thought through all those things, but I mean, I can see as you continue to work this, you know, making sure that it looks more human by perfecting the robot uh, process is pretty, that, what a great merger. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, complicated, but interesting. So given all that you've done, because you've, I mean, this is a really incredible career you've had. What's the most important professional lesson that you have learned that has helped to shock your potential? So when I was in college in Philadelphia, um, I had the, this is 20 some odd years ago, but I had the pleasure of being in the organization that brought speakers to campus. And we brought, um, uh, Dr. Ruth, we brought uh, Madeline Albright and, Ch and uh, Hillary Clinton and, and others. Dr. But Ruth, Madeline Albright. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Cool. But we also bought, brought Conan O'Brien. And every time we brought a speaker to campus, the, the organizing party um, had some one-on-one -on -one time, not one-on-one, -on -one, but group time, the, just the organizing group with that speaker. And in that, um, that dinner, um, uh, he mentioned to us, he said, Conan O'Brien said, always get in over your head. And mm -hmm. that advice has stuck with me for 20 some odd years. It's really the only advice that stuck with me for 20 some odd years, but, uh, <laughs> but always get in over your head. Because if you get in over your head, you, you force yourself to grow 
and you get out of your comfort zone. And if you don't do that, you're going to be stuck in the same job you're not that happy with or doing the same thing you're not that thrilled with. And so you really have to force yourself to get in over your head to, to, to make some changes in your life. And I found that to be great advice. Uh, about, I don't know, 10 years ago with my last company, I was on the Inc. 500 um, list of companies. And um, my buddy who had a other company, which was way more successful than me, he also made the list that year. And they asked both of us, uh, Inc., I guess, sent out a survey saying, what's your words of advice? I had told him always get in over your head. So he used that as his advice and I was left with nothing because they wouldn't let me use the same advice. So, like but it, it comes from Conan. I know it was Conan O'Brien. I, I, I have to give it to Conan O'Brien. <laughs> wow. I bet you uh, had a, quite a discussion with him after that. You're like, look, dude, I gave you that piece of advice, but yeah. I, died. I needed that. Yeah. One. We, uh, we had, we have a little, we had a little, uh, a joke going back and forth over it and, and uh, he's a great guy, so uh, it, it quickly dissipated, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's always a way to make it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's a great story that flashes back. And, and I love to ask people this question because I think it has to do with, you know, what we learn over time and what we would do differently and what we would do, you know, keep exactly the same way. So if you could go back and talk to the younger David at any point in time, and tell him anything that would, uh, you know, shock his potential further, faster, or kept him on the exact same path. Yeah. What point in time in his history would you go back to him? What would you tell that, David? So when I started my first company, I was thrown into it. Um, I got fired. I was, I was, uh, I had been in Chicago working for an investment bank. I moved out to San Diego, and in five months of living in San Diego. Um, first of all, it rained all the time to the point where the mayor declared a state of emergency. San Diego is known for having the best weather in the country. When I was there, they were sandbagging. Uh, on top of that, um, in the five months I got in a car accident, I got fired and I got evicted from my apartment. It was crazy town. That's a was, bad year. Yeah, it was a bad time. The eviction and the firing were both because, um, personalities on the other end. It was, had zero to do with me. I can, those stories are best told over um, a couple pints at Monks. Exactly. I don't know if Monks is still in Philadelphia. Yes, but, Monks is still there, yeah. Oh, I love, I love Monks. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I got fired, evicted, car accident, my fault, and horrible rainstorms. I kind of crawled back to Phoenix, Arizona, where I grew up with my head between my legs, because prior to that, I had used all hundred percent of my money to pay down school debt. And I had a lot of school debt. Um, so it was great that I didn't have much school debt when I was thrown out on my rear end, but I didn't have any nest. I didn't have any um, uh, nest egg or, or what, you know, rainy day fund to fall back on. So literally I think, a rainy day fund from literally. Yeah. So I was broke, dead broke. And um, I would tell prior David, always save a little bit. Um, just so that doesn't happen. Um, but I would also say, go with your gut because what happened, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Getting fired and getting evicted, eh, getting evicted was just a good story, but getting <laughs> fired was the best thing that ever happened because it forced me to do something I always wanted to do, which was start a business. And that business compared to handwritten did not take long to take off. It only took about two years before I was able to support myself. Um, 
And throughout that two years, I was constantly doubting myself, is this going to work? What am I going to do? If this fails, then what? And you really have to have confidence in yourself to know that, okay, if this does fail, or more than likely, it's not going to fail, but you're going to run out of money or, um, you know, something will happen. Like businesses don't just fail. You quit the business. And um, so, but what I'd say is, you know, stick with it and just know that if it does fail, you're, you know, you're an educated guy, you've had jobs in the past, you can pick up and, and give it another go. But that two years was life-changing for me. Um, and just, I wish I didn't, you know, almost give myself ulcers during it. I wish I would have had more confidence knowing, yes, what I'm doing is the right thing. Starting this text messaging company is the right thing. Um, this time around, starting handwritten, it's taken five or six years to get to the same spot. Um, mm-hmm. But I've had, A, I have a little money in my pocket from the prior venture. Um, mm-hmm. And B, I have confidence in myself. So I think everybody just needs to know that if you want to make a big change in your life, whether that's starting a company or changing careers or quitting drinking or whatever that is, there's mm-hmm. no time like the present. And you have to have confidence in yourself that you can survive the, um, the shock period when, yeah. when things haven't, you know, we just planted a bunch of trees in our backyard and those trees are all dying because they, they take a while to, to, to root. And you have to have the stamina to get through that rooting period. And um, I, think, I think that's the most important thing is just being able to, to tell yourself, I am in a rooting period. This, this tree will root and eventually it will grow again and it will change my life and support me and support my family. Um, and, and I'm not saying that starting a business is a 100% you know, it's going to work every time, but you don't know unless you try. And the worst thing to do is die with a lot of regret. So, which I'm sure you hear a lot, but yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I love that. I I was just thinking, what a great blog post to talk about, you know, a tree that is rooting because there is that moment where it looks like it's dead. And from all perspectives, you want to just pull it and start over and, Mm -hmm. you know, rid yourself of the, of the visual of the tree that looks like it's dying and it does take that time where you say, okay, I know I'm doing the right things. I know it is rooting and I'm going to make it through this period. And, th- and it's scary for a lot of people. And I think that that's why, you know, you and I both know that most businesses, if they take off by year three, you're doing, mm-hmm. you've yeah. had some really dang good luck. Um, and by year four, maybe you're starting to breathe a little bit, but you still probably haven't paid yourself. Right. And, uh, you know, so to have anything happen faster is amazing, but the rest of it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of guts. And, and when you are willing to put that in, there can be really big payoffs. And, and if you don't, um, you know, you can leave some things unsaid and undone that, you know, you never know what else could, could have happened from that. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. I, I love the concept of also from Conan being in over your head. And I was laughing as you were talking about it because my, um, you know, my business has, uh, we're in year four right now and we're, we're taking, you know, we were taking off like gangbusters this year and then some things kind of, you know, really? What were those? (laughs) Yeah. Just, I don't know, a mass pandemic where, you know, I mean, 95% of my business income prior to uh, March of this year uh, March of 2020 came from me getting on an airplane and traveling to speak and train around the world. So obviously that went to a nosedive. 
And so we pivoted and we, we pivoted quickly. And, um, and it's, you know, now I have opportunities that I would have never dreamed of that are amazing. But what's really interesting is about three weeks ago, a new opportunity kind of knocked at my door and it involves starting a second business. And I had that moment where I thought, okay, I know this, this other business is also viable. And, but you know, I'm just now going up again. Do I want to take that? And I, I sat back and I thought, if something presents itself to you and you have that opportunity, are you going to let fear or feeling overwhelmed keep you from doing it? All right. You just have to get up an hour or two earlier every day. Maybe you have to work an hour or two later every day and pull the pieces together. And we're going to launch that, that uh, company here in about three weeks. And I feel sometimes like it's a little over my head, but not much because I'm like, okay, you know this, you got this, mm. go at it tackle it one step at a time. And uh, I th I'm excited to see where we are this time next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is, you know, uh, I'm a part of one of these leadership groups, you know, you pay a bunch of money and then every, every month you get together and you, you give a status update. And I'm really amazed how many of those people, you know, this has been a tough time for handwritten too. I mean, mm -hmm. you'd think people would want to send handwritten notes during this period to tell everybody, hey, you know, I care about you or mm -hmm. my business cares about you, whatever, but it, it has slowed down substantially. I'm just amazed how many people have claimed to be untouched by this because it is so over-encompassing. I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm jealous and a little bit bitter, but, uh, like, but you know. Congratulations. I'm really happy for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it is creating a lot of opportunity, just like getting fired for my mm -hmm. last job was, was um, created opportunity for me. COVID's creating it for you. So it's awesome that you saw that and you leapt on it. Yeah. It's a little terrifying, but you know, it's kind of like getting on a roller coaster. Yes, you're yeah. going to scream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you feel pretty darn good when you get to the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, David, I know we're getting near the end. I know we'll have all of your contact information on our show notes, but for anyone who is too eager and they want to look you up right now, how do they find you? And especially make sure you um, discuss how handwritten is spelled because yes. that's a critical component to actually finding you. So uh, if you want to learn about handwritten, it's handwritten with a Y. Why? Because we love you. So it's H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N. Um, it's it uh, handwritten. If you go to handwritten with y, um, dot com, there's a whole resource section where you can learn all about the benefits of handwritten notes and why they work and how they have a 300% open rate compared to print notes and how they mm -hmm. increase meeting bookings and, and all of that, all the data is there footnoted with, um, uh, with references and all that for your, for your perusal. If you want to learn more or if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I believe I'm David B. Wax, W-A-C-H-S on LinkedIn. Just look for David Handwritten and I'm the only guy that matches those criteria. Also, David B. as in boy Wax on Twitter. Um, if you want to sign up for Handwritten, use discount code podcast when you sign up with an email and password and that'll get you $5 of credit to try the service out. Um, you can use that to send yourself a note to see how this how the service works, yeah. or you can just go to handwritten.com, click the business link at the top, and request a free sample pack, which has samples of about 15 of our most popular styles, as well as all sorts of other information in there. Um, and then we, we, we mail those out pretty quickly. So, um, so yeah, we're always happy to help. 
we are a, you know, what do we do is service, not send handwritten notes. So always feel free to call us, ask as many questions as you want, and, uh, you know, would love to help some of your uh, listeners out. I love that. Well, you know, I'm going to sign up because I want to know. I want to see how <laughs> it right. goes. And I, as we clearly have identified, I have terrible handwriting. <laughs> we have actually, ironically enough, our messy style is called Messy Michael. <laughs> yes, that's what I need. <laughs> all right. I uh, mean, yeah. uh, that's, how did you know? Have you been stalking me all these years, David? Uh, oh, a, a wee bit, a wee bit. <laughs> actually, those styles, the first styles are all named after my family. So Aww. Casual David is me, and then there's Messy Michael, my brother proper Jeff, slanty Steve, and even compact Lulu, which is our six pound poodle. So if you want to write in a compact style, compact oh, Lulu's for you. I love it. Oh, David, thank you. Before we wrap up, do you have any last words of advice or pearls of wisdom for my listeners and viewers? No, just get in over your head. And um, the game isn't over until you quit. And sometimes you do have to quit, but just remind yourself the game's not over until you quit. So stick in it as long as, in, as you can. And uh, if, you know, sometimes like me, you get lucky and, and it, uh, it only takes two years. Other times you stick it out like me and it takes six years to turn that <laughs> corner. But if you put in enough hard work, I'm confident you'll, you'll, you'll see the rewards. I agree. David, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to learn about you and your business. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you so much, Michael. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.